Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 99 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. Ex-LucasArts employees Tim Schaefer, David Dixon and Jonathan Menzies formed Double Fine Productions in 2000. Their first completed project was a 3D platform adventure that starts in an awfully bizarre summer camp and ends in an awful bazaar. Psychonauts. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, James Carter. I am a little frazzled. Frazzled? Frazzled? No? Okay. Good try. Josh Garrity. I'm not going to attempt to joke because, you know, after James failed miserably there, I think it's uh, (laughs) better to just say hello. Failure. So, uh, this game, published by Majesco in America and THQ in the UK, remember them, uh, came out back in April in North America, 2005. We had to wait until February 2006, which was uh, post the generational crossover. Well, the 360 had come out, um, and I think a number of factors did for this game commercially. Commercially. Um, There was a PC version as well. Um, so this was Xbox, PlayStation 2, and PC. Uh, it was later re-released on Xbox Originals for download. I think, is it still there? Can you still download Xbox Originals onto your 360? Uh, yeah, well, sure. I, I downloaded Grab by the Ghoulies uh, very recently, uh-huh. so they are still there. They are now uh, in pounds rather than Microsoft points, though, in, in the UK, of course. obviously. But yeah. yeah, of course. 
Um, so yeah, that came out in 2007. Uh, I remember that that being quite cool uh, for that to happen. Um, and then latterly, a Mac version arrived in 2011, uh, a Linux version <laughs> in 2012, and the game's also available on the PlayStation Network. I'm not sure if that's all regions or just in the US, actually. Um, but the PS2 version you can play on a PS3. So there it is. Yeah. Uh, it's often available on uh, Steam for very cheap. I think it was like a yeah. dollar this yeah. week, someone was saying. The, um, the Steam version has been replaced since the game actually went back to Double Fine rather than Majesco. An enhanced version. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks fantastic. Streets ahead mm. of the disc That's versions. the one I played. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, and there's also a, 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 a little doobry which uh, Paul Shotton friend of the show pointed me towards which um, sort of uh, patches over the uh, PC key and mouse prompts with Xbox button uh, labels Um, so that that made the playing experience that much easier um, and is worth doing uh, Um, seek that out interestingly I had to check my PS2 copy of the game just to be sure of this but I actually rented and played the Xbox version um, back when I played this one it had been made backwards compatible uh, mm-hmm. About 2006, 2007, uh, there yep. was a bit of an email campaign. Um, but Majesco still pop up. They are actually on back of the box in credits listed as the publisher, whilst THQ are the distributor on the oh, UK okay, version. Right. So I think yep. that's probably a technical thing on the point of view mm. that Majesco had a contract to be publisher and just refused to distribute or weren't interested in distributing. So uh, allowed Double Fine to find another distributor. But. Um, ah, okay. But yeah, yeah. the the Majesco logo still pops up on those disc versions, uh, even in the UK. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So the PS2 version, I think it was you know at that stage of things where this was a game that ran a bit better on Xbox, a little um, you know, but ran best on PC, a little bit better mm-hmm. on Xbox, and not it wasn't so great on PS2. I think. Well, it was um, originally a, speaking. Uh, an Xbox game. It was due to be a, an Xbox exclusive. Um, ah, okay. The the story goes that I forget the name of the guy, Freeze, his surname I think, who was at uh, Microsoft at the time around two thousand and and as they were about to launch the Xbox shortly thereafter, um, and was looking for games to to put out on the platform and was championing this, um, and uh, he ended up leaving Microsoft and with it Psychonauts publishing deal fell through, which is when okay. they went to Majesco. Um, and Majesco obviously said yes, but let's start getting it on other platforms. Um, yeah, and right. the, the PS2 version is not uh, made by Double Fine. It's uh, uh, Budcat, I think. There's a, a port a, a by port, Budcat yeah. Creations. Yes, um, whoever they are. Yeah. So, hence it is slightly iffier, and I think reviews suggested that at the time the PS2 co- version was reviewing slightly lower. But ah, PS2 port specialists seemingly. Um, yeah. or PS1, PS2 port specialist. So, so, so that uh, one was farmed out. Um, I, I tried all three versions when I played it because I had the uh, luxury of having picked up the PS2 version um, uh, fairly cheap secondhand, uh, grabbed it on Steam, and it was the uh, upgraded version by that point. Um, this was early 2011, I think. Um, and yeah. I played the Xbox version backwards compatible as well. And the PC version looks streets ahead of either of the other two, as you'd expect. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The Xbox version looks slightly smeary and blurry, but the PS2 does seem to suffer more technically rather than just yeah. say, you know, slightly blurry look to it because it's a, a, a non HD game. Um, so you've owned this in a number of formats, and it was like two years ago you played it through? Uh, I, I played it through for Gamer Dork. You, you may remember back in those days uh, when I started oh writing, gosh. I pitched 
uh, a throwback series where every month I would play an old yeah. PS2 or prior era era game. So, uh, and and this was the first one I did. Um, I I was. They still be on. Uh, they are. Yeah, still... they're still on yeah. Gamer Dork. I checked today because I wanted to see. First of all, what you said <laughs> uh, what I'd said, and second of all, uh, just try and uh, get back into that mindset of when I I played the game. And um, yeah, still on. Well, there. apologies for not remembering that because. A lot of things have happened since then. Yeah, but yes, absolutely. It, it was. A, I had to rack my brain and think because I, I knew I'd solicited from the GamerDoc forum some recommendations, and Psychonauts was one that I'd almost That's decided right. on myself and got a lot of feedback saying yes, play that game. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I couldn't quite remember if I actually had. So long ago did it seem? It comes to something when two and a half years ago seems like it's such a different time, but. Uh, but it definitely did, and that was the first game I played. And uh, so, yeah, I at the time grabbed it on a few different formats because it was cheap to get, um, yeah. and and f- famously, uh, alongside some of the other Double Fine games, the the kind of mantra was, um, if you can't buy it legitimately, don't worry because the money's probably at that point it was still going to Majesco. So yeah. what Double Fine were saying was, pick it up pick up a copy secondhand, pirate it, do what you like, and just buy a T-shirt from us was, I think, the line that Tim Schafer That's right, said. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, get the money to us some other way. And uh, this was before, obviously, they then got the rights back from, from Majesco. Uh, so if you're buying the Steam version now, that all goes to Double Fine. Um, yeah, I, th- I, it, I don't know how many of the uh, PC download platforms it's available on. Is it good old games and Green Man and Steam and, you know, the App Store, whatever, and everything? Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm not sure, but it's on Steam. And I think just a couple of days ago was like a couple of quid. It was nothing. Yeah. And just, well, well, we'll get to whether or not that's worth it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's easy enough to get on Steam and plays pretty well, so. Josh, when did you play this and which version? Um, this was another example of a classic that I kind of went back to. Um, I picked up the Xbox version because I knew it was uh, backwards compatible uh, mm. with the 360 back in 2000 and, uh, 2008. Um, and I kind of played it on and off. I didn't complete it all the way through. It was kind of that game that I played for a bit, enjoyed but then left it for a couple of months and then came back mm. to it. Um, but yeah, I've sampled the other versions. I Because originally I uh, bought it for the PS2, but only played like 10 minutes of it and then decided, mm, this is clearly the inferior version. It doesn't look mm. anywhere near as good as the footage I've seen on YouTube of the Xbox version. Yeah. Um, and at the time, um, I wasn't much of a PC gamer, so... I wasn't really into Steam at all. I've only just recently, um, I think this year actually, uh, bought the PC version. And as James says, that, that I think that's the definitive version of that game. It's It looks so much better than the other two. And it'll probably run on pretty much anything as well. Uh, any, you know, any PC from the last 10 years or something. So... Um, yes, and that's the version I ended up playing. I bought it on Xbox quite a while ago, not when it was new, but soon after. Um, it had always been on my radar. I was a fan of uh, Tim Schafer's previous work on uh, LucasArts games like Grim Fandango and Monkey Island. Never played Full Throttle because I didn't have a PC at that point, mm. which was perhaps his most, um, well, prior to Grim Fandango was the game that was most the most him. Um, and, and where Psychonauts yes. came from, of course, as well. Yes, 
do you want to do you know the details rather than just dropping that and leaving it yeah (laughs) maybe that should be explained um so the idea was that uh, uh, one of the uh, missions in full throttle was going to be a um a look at sort of this psychic internalized um view of the world um but it was deemed slightly too out there for a game like full throttle which was supposed to be family oriented uh, and so that idea, the the idea of going inside someone's mind and into a rather twisted and crazed view of the world, uh, actually ended up spinning out into a new game. Um, as I understand, I haven't played Full Throttle, so I go only by what I've heard and 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 read. But that's the uh, the idea or the 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 seed where um, where it came from. Um, and uh, yeah, I think. Uh, even the name Raz came from from there, um, from one of the uh, people working on Full Throttle and and subsequently joining Double Fine. So, um, so I, uh, as you do, you know, bought it to add to the backlog on Xbox. Never got round to uh, playing it beyond the opening section. Um, ended up picking it up in as part of a bundle. It was possibly even somebody passed on a free code to me on for Steam at some point in the last few years. Uh, Finally got around to uh, installing it and playing it. Um, as I say, patched up to the nines, played at 1920 by 1080 and all that. Um, and yes, uh, it did make me, as soon as I started playing it, it made me think, rather than having the Xbox uh, on demand, you know, the Xbox original on demand version, um, they may have missed a trick by not releasing, uh, you know, a, a Stranger's Wrath style HD update um, and just you know, re-release it on Xbox Live Arcade and PSN in that form, you know, like running as a, as a as it might on PC because um, you know it makes a lot of difference. The only uh, the thing that really shows it up is the FMV sequences, which are very rough and grainy. Yeah, um, um, but not... the reason for that, of course, is is where the whole buy a T-shirt from us thing comes from, which is um, a lot of frustration on behalf of particularly Tim Schafer, but Double Fine uh, as to the reluctance of Majesco to do anything with Psychonauts. Um, and, yeah. and that's why they were, I guess, incredibly happy to get control of Psychonauts back again. Um, because stuff like a new version being released, stuff like a new updated PC version being released wasn't happening because Majesco just weren't interested in it. I guess they didn't have the Zumba Fitness money then to, to throw around and do <laughs> anything with, but... Um, well, it hadn't done very well, and whether that's yeah. whether it hadn't done very well because of them, or they weren't doing anything because, because it hadn't it, done yeah, very well. In the egg yeah, I suppose so. Um, but it, I think it was a, it was probably I, I haven't actually looked up sales figures, but it, it was you know a renowned didn't perform uh, at retail game. Um, combination of factors, I would suggest uh, change yeah. of generation, um, slightly weird looking graphic style. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think maybe it's not even that clear what kind of genre it is from from the box and stuff to to some some people. I don't think it's necessarily clear what genre it is from playing it. To be honest, <laughs> one could argue, not necessarily in a bad way either. I just think uh, you know, yeah. that's the type of game it is. It's uh, it's not clear what the game's about even. Um, and and it's interesting that they did change the the main character. Raz was um, going to be a, a, an ostrich. <laughs> originally um and um they they dialed that back although a lot of the characters are very animalistic um they yeah dialed that back just because um i think tim schaefer nixed it the rumor is that he said you know ultimately games are supposed to be about living out fantasies and he's not sure many people fantasize about being a, a <laughs> drugged out trippy ostrich fan. yeah so 
Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I always um, was a little confused about was actually what was Raz. Now, he is a boy. He is an American boy. It is explicit. You, if you look into it, um, he is a human American boy. But he looks like a strange, sprite, sort of gnomey creature. And, and the whole game's got this style. A lot of people say uh, Tim Burton's style. Um, you know, it is reminiscent of... Um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, perhaps, and uh, what year was Corpse Bride? That was like 2000 and... Probably right around the time, uh, you know, 2005, yeah. 2006, um, I think. I always, I always feel um, that Henry Selick, who actually directed Nightmare Before Christmas, doesn't get enough credit because of the obviously massive Tim Burton influence, but um, it does have a certain... It does share a certain style. It could be... The, the game, the whole game, the look of the game, the, it could be, with, with the cutscenes, with the characters and the kids and the Psychonauts team and all that, could be a stop-frame animation film. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I, I think it it kind of has that sort of made by Pixar version of a, of what we think of as Burton esque uh, mm, yeah. aesthetics nowadays. Um, I, I think as you, I think it's um, it's a little unfair to 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 credit that entire look to to one man, um, but nonetheless that's the way it's thought of nowadays you know burton-esque it immediately brings to mind the sort of cookie gothic sort of off the wall slightly very hard unhinged. to describe yeah bulgy eyes squiffy faces um none of the characters quite look like any of the others some of them got no nose some of them got huge noses there's a sort of a deliberate inconsistency yeah yeah and the world is kind of surreal and a bit trippy and things are angular uh, when they shouldn't be and curvy when they shouldn't be and it's generally i think off kilter would be a lazy yeah epithet yeah, slightly unhinged notion to the to the, yeah. the whole feel of the place yeah so um the the main artist uh is scott campbell um and you can hear him along with tim schaefer on the uh the vault viewer app which is also available on youtube we'll talk a bit more about that later um, writers were Tim Schafer, of course, uh, along with Eric Walpole. Um, and uh, the music is by Peter McConnell, who um, had done a lot of work also at uh, LucasArts, many, many Star Wars games, but also he worked on Full Throttle and The Dig, some of um, A Maniac Mansion, Sam and Max, Monkey Island 2, Fate of Atlantis, lots of, um, you know, uh, of the great LucasArts uh classic era point and clickers but also uh worked on the sly sly 2 and sly 3 games and since then he's worked on uh connectimals and plants vs zombies 2 um and again the soundtrack perhaps in places a bit you know you could say there's a bit of a danny elfman influence in in there which would obviously tie in with the tim burton yeah. stuff yeah definitely yeah uh but it's good stuff i think um, you know, it fits well. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the other, I mean, the characters and cast, again, I'm, I'm immediately wanting to come back to the Vault Viewer stuff because I, like, one of the things for me about this game is that it doesn't really, as well as, you know, feeling a little bit weird from the start because you're put in control of this character. What is he? Is he a human boy? Why has he got big bulgy goggles on his face um is that helmet actually a helmet or is it part of his head um why is the coach at the summer camp you know um there are all these kids who look different and um but a lot of the the deeper darker stuff for the the whole motivations are all hidden within these vaults that you find buried around the levels um so the sort of kind of ostensible story the plot is that you are a kid who's uh, run away from the circus 
to uh, as an acrobat to uh, join this psychic summer camp. Now we don't really have summer camps over here in the UK, but I assume I've always picked up that I guess they're like Cub Scouts brownies kind of thing. But over the summer, where kids learn um, practical and life skills to be you know better helpful people yeah, and just sort of activity camps so often they're themed certainly as far as their representation in popular culture goes there may be a, a a sports you know summer camp where it's for for people to go and play you know basketball or whatever yeah um, uh, and that would be the focus or or you know math camp i've heard, heard referred to before um and and that kind of thing where it's not necessarily about general skills but it might be a bit more focused but yeah it definitely has a, a very american feel to me because we just don't have that kind of thing over here i don't think so. but it I, again i don't know about how you two felt but I, I just i felt from the start and i think maybe that's why i put the game down the first time as quickly as like what where am i what am i doing why are these kids here and what are the why are these adults uh here um why is there a an a a mental asylum attached to a summer camp um what are the psychonauts what do they do why why is that child wearing um tinfoil on his head now i got that one but um do you know what i mean just like yeah. just a general sense of i really don't know what it was overwhelming at first and i think it's part of the reason why i kept starting and stopping it um during yeah, my first yeah. playthrough um I do think that eventually you wrap your head around it, it mm. but I, I do think it does, like as good as the writing is, and I think the writing's pretty excellent throughout, I think it does a poor job of actually explaining what's going on half the time. I felt so, yeah, that's um, how I felt. And um, I don't know if that's deliberate, I can't imagine it is, because it presents itself as like this charming, almost... I don't want to say kid, but like family film kind of like, you know, like yeah. Pixar type, you know, mm -hmm. entertainment where it's for everyone. So I can't imagine it be deliberate that they make the plot really um, hard to digest at first. Um, mm. Yeah, but I think what hooked me, though, was the characters because they are so striking and so unique and mental and creative that even though i was a bit what i don't know it was just i really like raz as a character he kind of drew me in straight away because he was so charming and so different from your usual video game protagonists mm, great voice work uh lots of the characters uh so it's richard stephen horvitz plays raz um and he's a he's a cartoon voice actor he does, he's done a crazy amount of stuff also as uh, and some video game stuff Ratchet and Clank and Metal Gear Solid 4 and stuff but lots and lots of telly cartoons but um, he's ace and, and I think a lot of the voice actors are uh, I think maybe you know this is earlier in the period where you know uh, respected voice actors from the voice acting industry were being used they weren't they weren't selected for their star name you know there, there's no there's no stunt casting in here it's just nearly all um, proper voice actors from um, you know, not just people they found around the office or whatever. Yeah, it was in that that sort of middle point where games were starting to take that stuff not necessarily more seriously because I think that's to do a disservice to to some of the good jobs that were done by people from around the office. But it was yeah, recognised yeah. that maybe getting in some people who do this professionally is going to add something to the game, but without it being something you go and shout about 
and make a big mm. deal of with, as you say, sort of stunt casting or at least... I mean, LucasArts have been doing it for quite a while, really, since maybe, yeah, maybe Curse of Monkey Island and Full Throttle had, you know, good voice act and yeah. Grim Fandango, of course. So Tim Schafer obviously put, you know, put a lot mm. by that, having proper voice performances. I think as far as um, why the game might feel a bit um, all over the place is, mm. I, I, I think, I got the feeling when I was playing it that the the writing as you're playing the game is all flavor stuff it's all dialogue to get you uh to, to get you to care about the characters and and it maybe isn't to move the plot forward as much um and all that sort of moving the plot forward business and certainly setup i get the feeling they were trying to put that into cutscenes, but the cutscenes, i certainly remember being relatively short not terribly explicit what was going on maybe it was just a case that for whatever reason, be it budgetary or just be it the, the way they happened to do it, they'd hoped to set the scene more in the cutscenes. I certainly felt like that was the intention and it just didn't quite mm. work. And I think the other thing is, just in terms of the uh, the premise of, of this game, the, the real world, we've talked about the characters, they kind of feel all out of place with one another. I think they're supposed to be caricatures. Um, yeah. So... Raz is, I'm sure, a, a little boy, but he doesn't look like a little boy because there's more going on with him in terms of the way he looks as a representation of something about his character, and that's why some of the characters are uh, very clear representations of some kind of animal, or or they are just completely bizarre in some ways. Um, and the idea is to to make the real world a real caricature, but then you're also dipping in and out of of this um, psychic world. Mm. And that really puts you ill at ease because you don't get a handle on the real world to then take into the psychic world. You kind of feel like you're flipping between two worlds that feel um, fantastical in their own right and therefore you're That's not right, grounded yeah. in, in either of them. You know, the idea should be in, let's, I, I happen to notice when I was writing about this, I'd clearly seen Inception relatively recently um, and hmm. was talking about Harry Potter quite a lot. Um, in both of those things, you do get a sense, you are given a sense of what the real world is so that when you get the fantastical stuff going into people's uh, dreams or going to a magical school, you still have the grounded reality to come back to, to con contrast it with. And I don't think you get that in this Um I think both aspects of the game are equally fantastical, and so it does take a while to to kind of get the feel of the game and get into it. Um, I certainly noticed that, or I certainly feel that, um, having set myself a target of writing an article on it a month after starting playing the game, I had to play the game, and that's what drove me through it. And maybe you guys, you're saying that you struggled to find that driving force, that momentum that would push you through. Initially. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's the, 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 the issue there. So we should issue a spoiler warning because um, I think this is a game that has, there's a lot of um, interest and secrets and surprises to be found out that are best enjoyed if you have played, uh, you know, if you haven't heard them before you're playing. So, fair warning. Um, try to talk about both the sort of I mean there's kind of a lot to take in because um, you know this is a 3D platforming arcade adventure but it's also a, a, a more sort of character driven adventure game almost like elements of Tim Schafer's point and click kind of past uh, creeping in you know finding objects and taking them somewhere and, and working out what to do with them things like that um, but there's also, you know, this sort of, there's quite a large cast of supporting characters um, and 
while they're all very different and memorable, they come and go. And, and yeah, I had this sense kind of the whole time of confusion. And maybe that's appropriate for a game that's about, effectively, it's about mental illness. Um, but yeah, I suppose, so you start off in the summer camp, you are, you are Raz, um, who you learn has, um, these, this is a summer camp for kids who, uh, have, um, shown that they may have extra psychic powers, which, uh, you know, seems to be in, in this version or alternate skewed version of, uh, the world or, or of America is something that happens. It's not a weird thing. It's just, you know, some people have psychic powers and some people are, you know, look weird and short and stumpy and some people are, you know, I suppose that's normal, but, um, you know, you have a cabin in in uh, in the uh, in a clearing in the forest, um, and you know, first thing to do is to go off and meet uh, the coach who who teaches you. He's a sort of um, wannabe pseudo militaristic type, I suppose. You, he might be territorial army if he was British, um, to teach you the the basics of going inside another person's head and manipulating their thoughts from within. Hmm. Reminded me a little of uh, the old um, cartoon strip, the Numbskulls. Uh, these parts of the game where you're, you know, you actually become, a, you effectively get shrunk down and go inside somebody's mm. thoughts, and uh, and actually most of the game is about um, sort of fixing what's wrong with people from within by fighting their demons. I suppose that's the simplest way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, coach. I always thought of he's very much the drill instructor, and so it makes sense that he is kind of getting you through as it's called, basic training, or nearly called basic braining, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it, it does take a little bit of getting your head around, but the idea is that you can go inside anyone's mind and their mind will be a, an overt representation of themselves. So they're already a caricature in in the world. Um, but for instance, Coach, when you go inside his mind, it's basically a war zone because he is very militaristic he he exhibits that as a character um so it makes sense that that's what he has going on internally inside him and it's your job to go and uncover secrets about that world and and put to rest whatever um whatever is happening there that is a a negative thing that needs to be resolved um usually it's some kind of mystery to uncover or some kind of boss to defeat um yeah. yeah, but again, um, the the way it's told in the game is not as clear mm. and sometimes heartbreaking as it is in the vaults that you find uh, as you go. Um, so, for instance, one of the characters, um, Mia, who's one of the Psychonauts, um, who helps with, I guess, yeah, um, I guess they're training. You know, they're they're looking for potential future Psychonauts to, basically, their Psychonauts are kind of super. Uh, super spies who saved the world with their telekinetic and um, mind-reading powers, aren't they? Their ability to go inside people's heads, but they also, you know, it's. I think. I think the idea is that they also, you know, go around the world and actually thwart villains with their mind bullets, for want of a better, a better tangential <laughs> reference to Tenacious D, which comes nice full circle back to Double Fine, of course. But very good. Yeah, yeah. but for. All you'd know from playing the game, Mia, uh, you know, her level is Mia's dance party, which is a club night and a disco. But if you look at her vault, particularly the second one, you find out that her motivation in life is the fact that she was a, a, 
a worker at um at an orphanage that burned to the ground and she is constantly tortured by the dying the, the, or the thought of the dying screams of the orphans that she you know she was out buying vegetables or something when when this orphanage burnt to the ground this is really dark heavy stuff mm. but it it's only there in these um in these vaults which is unless it was there more subtly in in the other stuff it, you know is there any are there implications hints to this in the levels um but normally you're too busy you know collecting yeah, i don't think there is no i i to be honest with you until i saw some of the uh vault stuff on youtube i thought her character was pretty weak in the game because i never saw that while i was playing um, yeah. and only to discover that later on and that and that stuff adds so much layers to her because it kind of you kind of justify that world in your head now because oh like right mm. she's trying to escape from all yeah. these like horrible memories that's why yeah. she's partying all the time mm. but without that context and because the game doesn't put that in front of you it's that that stuff's not you know apparent at all not only does it not put it in front of you um most of the main characters have two of these uh, vaults so normally you'll stumble across one these are sort of uh, quadrupedal safes that are sort of lumbering around the environment um one of which normally is quite easy to find and you just have to go up to it and use one of uh, Raz's most basic powers which is a big punch um, to open it and you get the vault but the other one the, the the more revealing of each of the characters vaults is tends to be hidden in the level so mm-hmm. to learn of for instance coach oleander's um, rejection by the military forces you have to go looking for that to learn of uh, the reason that um, the milkman or well the security guard uh, went off the rails is because you know he got fired from this job that he had and all this other stuff and it's all it's literally hidden why maybe the idea is that you play through the game first time around just playing the game and then you would go back and find the collectibles and a bit like you know some other games it's not until new game plus you really find out what's going on in the story or at least the deeper layers and maybe that's the idea um because i can't imagine many people would have taken the time to to find all of these first time through it would have to be from a love of the game as it was and and I guess arguably that impact for those it's a very small pool perhaps who would go through and play the game a second time to try and find everything but those people are naturally more invested in it and therefore are going to be impacted perhaps more greatly by finding that the story that they thought was happening was something different but it is very curious because it as Josh says it does rob some of the characters of the depth of what's going on and I certainly can't remember taking um, Mia's dance party level as, as an example I can't remember any references you'd think there would be some references to an orphanage that might be out of place not necessarily telling you the story but just indicating that there's something else going on and I certainly don't remember that at all it's easy to think of that level as the happy-go-lucky you know 70s style disco um, level and just think of it as that and not really worry about it um, but yeah there is well, this extra that, layer. That's the thing, though. They they didn't need to make it, uh, uh, you know, explicit. Like they could have just had mm. a part of the environment that was on fire or something like that. Just subtly hint, uh, su- subtly yeah. hint at it, and have the vault be the thing that you know, uh, you know, establishes exactly what's going on. But have the player who doesn't discover that vault have doubts as to what you know what this is all really about but they don't do that at all it's all mm. happy and all colorful and and 
you have no indication that there's more to her than this. Yeah, I think it sounds like I'm already sort of finding problems with the game, but because so, for instance, Mia's dance party, you learn later if you either if you find the the second vault mm. story or or you look it up on YouTube or download the app that there's all this stuff going on. But actually, as a as a 3D platformer level, it's not great. You know, it's not and 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 not many of them are and that's well, a that's a real yeah. problem a lot of the interesting stuff is 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 hidden you know there's funny yeah. cutscenes and funny exchanges and funny ideas and imagination and all this stuff but a lot of the time i was finding that i wasn't having an enormous amount of fun actually controlling raz you know his his jump doesn't feel great his some of the powers are cool but none of them like his his punch attacks just feel a bit stodgy and all that stuff the actual mechanical 3d action adventure stuff is is a bit subpar maybe it wasn't quite as subpar in 2005 6 but now it it makes it more of a struggle to play through and and there were particularly some sequences which are very annoying and frustrating we'll come onto the meat circus later but even before that well, um, therein lies the rub that that uh, we hinted at earlier with the trouble in defining this game's genre because mm. ostensibly it's a 3D platformer. Is it? If, it? if if we judge it by those criteria, even as a 2005 game, I don't think it passes muster. However, you also have to remember that this was a 2000 game that took a long time to make. And so Very you true. have to... You it know, feels like it too. It yeah, really does. It yeah. reminds me of N64 sort of dreamcast era exactly um, and if you platform can, adventures and if you leave aside mario and and it's it's easy to say all oh, 3d platformers weren't good then and and josh would quite rightly say excuse me mario was and and not long after that ratchet and clank certainly by 2005 mm. ratchet and clank is the sort of thing oh, you yeah. would then compare it to and by those standards it doesn't pass up but jack and daxter was 2001 the, yeah, the precursor exactly. legacy so, you know but but if you put it in context of a 2000 game that, let's say, the basis of it was decided on then and it was just a case of making it and then trying to get it out there, obviously with publishing problems, etc., then that puts it in a little bit more context and you can be a bit more forgiving. But even then, I think, judged as a 3D platformer, there are real problems. Um, and judged as, as an action-adventure, you know, at some points there is combat coming into it, that kind of thing. I think there's problems. There, there's a level where you have to be quite stealthy. I think as a stealth game, <laughs> there are problems. But it all yeah. stems from the fact that this is made by a group of people who, I haven't played many of the LucasArts games. I understand them mostly to be point-and-click games with a lot of character and story and great dialogue mm -hmm. that went around a very well-understood structure that didn't necessarily require a lot of mechanical um, complexity and depth. No, only only the uh, the Indiana Jones games had the uh, wits or or fight option. I can't remember what they were called, but yeah, um, yeah the indie games, The Last Crusade and Fate of Atlantis, yeah. allowed you to get involved in a certain amount of uh, very basic uh, fisticuffs. But generally, um, the Monkey Island games, apart from a couple of famous examples, mm. um, you couldn't die. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and and Psychonauts has you know it's obviously it's inspired by yeah, a lot of 3d platformers or arcade adventures or whatever as i say there's, there's more to it than just platforming platforming is an element but there's also finding and using objects and combat and there's a sort of i suppose you could use the term metroidvania for certain elements because you you know you go to some levels and you haven't got the cobweb duster early on or you can i suppose you can get it but then there's reasons to go back and look for more mm -hmm. there are these uh, figments which yeah. i think are one of the worst 
collectibles I can remember in a game. Um, they're all over the place. A lot of them move about. They fade in and out. And and the you know most terrible example of design is there. There was one. Uh, at least in the game that was almost impossible to get just because of clipping you know just because yeah. it was deliberately half buried into a tree or a wall so you had to very specifically get the right thing and then you know you come out the level there's you know you can look at any time see how many bits there are or whatever but you don't you don't know where they're all going to be and so you've got that horrible sort of you know donkey kong uh 64 style i'm just playing through this to find these yeah freaking items you know and just... there's also a depth perception issue i seem to remember on some of them there's a large 3d environments I, I can't remember which level it was in there was one where there was loads of figments in, oh, yeah. in an area and yeah. it actually became very difficult to judge where you were uh in terms of depth into the screen relative to the they're figments. abstract so, and they're yeah, translucent yeah, so it's it's, it's very, very different indefinite. There's no shadow to base your your distance from. That's right, and they're all different scales um, yeah. because you know they're they're crazy surreal images of, yeah. of things yeah. that relate to the environment. So, yeah, so that stuff's basically no fun, <laughs> and, uh, and and all this you know these things um, you know you, you get these powers throughout the game as as you progress as you would. Um, some of them you know again really good fun and things like clairvoyance is great. You know there's mm. there's some fantastic Easter eggs in the game where. Yeah. If you look, if you use clairvoyance with almost any any character or thing in the game, you get to see how they view Raz, which is uh, usually as a mainly as a two D image. Um, but sometimes, if it you know if it's a hung for for example, if it's a hungry uh, turtle, he'll view you as a slice of cake with a Raz face on, you know, and and stuff like that. Um, uh, and if you're if you're in disguise on the the milkman conspiracy level the they will view you as the worker that you're you're purporting to be and stuff yeah. and all, all that stuff's in there and all the way through and very consistent um but you know other powers like in the shooting and stuff just don't feel great to use mm. um you can level them up and and that's cool and stuff and but... i think that's the reason that the collectibles seemed more palatable to me i i do feel like other games would have had the collectibles in for their own sake, just to complete mm. the collection, um, or would have unlocked, you know, custom art or screens or whatever, you know, in-game uh, sort of exterior to the to the actual game stuff, you know, ancillary bonus materials. Um, but you're actually leveling Raz up the more of these yeah. you get, yeah. and so it does kind of start feel worth it, especially when you see some of the prices on stuff like Cobweb Duster and whatnot in the shop. You sort of start there's a there is a, a a carrot there for you to want to 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 get the next collectible and just see if you can you can kind of um, work your way up to either leveling Raz up or buying something else or whatever it might be. Mm, I mean, collecting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's collecting outside of the the the, the in in brain levels as well. You know, the in the hub of the the collecting of the arrowheads, which are currency, and and again, just really sort of. It starts off where you're collecting one every time you see see a glowing spot in the ground, and these regenerate sort of randomly in the environment as yeah. they, as time goes by. But then you know eventually you save up enough of those to get a, a magnet which attracts, uh, oh. sorry, a divining rod which means you can get more, and then you get the magnet which attracts more towards you. But again, the actual, the actual process of doing that, I don't, I don't think it adds a lot to the game. No, no, not necessarily. It basically comes down to um, the the incentive to do it is is what you're going to get as a result of it, which with the arrowheads is what can I buy next? And ultimately, once you've bought whatever it is you want to buy at the shop, 
the next thing is even more expensive and it comes down to patience and at some point your patience will run out uh, with it. Um, the arrowheads again are another good example where um, it's a nice quirky idea. It's it's playing on a bit of a trope that this summer camp is on top of an old yeah. Indian burial site essentially and you know there's these um, psychic arrowheads lying around um, and that that's that's quite a nice joke but it really doesn't actually play into anything other than there are these arrowheads buried and, and that's the currency it doesn't actually seem to make that much difference to the story which is um it, it seems like it's a very quirky nice joke and yes it's a, a tried and tested daft thing to do in horror films and, and other stuff but um but it doesn't necessarily seem to go anywhere um which i guess i wonder is... if they'd have if they made it now but you know the game's um quite relatively long for this sort of game um i think 16 hours maybe was my completion maybe it was yeah, less than that. it's it's something like longer than what you'd expect you know a, a big game like like 3d platformer type game you'd maybe expect 12 hours that kind of thing but they might have stripped some of the collecting i think the the side card collecting is mm. is is okay you know just the usual have have objects uh hidden in apparently out of reach places in the environment you know, grab them as you go along, or or go, you know, go out of your way to do an extra bit of platforming to get to them. That's fine. But the but the arrowhead stuff and the figments stuff was just, and 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 the emotional baggage again, great joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. finding finding lug, luggage tags and bags, but I just didn't. I was just doing it for the sake of it. I was doing it because it was there. Because it was there, and it, it was basically obvious that it was to collect. Yeah, it, I think it's interesting that when we're talking about this game, we're talking about the the playing of it maybe not being the best thing in terms of mm. mechanically. It doesn't necessarily feel great. Um, it doesn't feel bad, I don't think, but it's not the reason to play it. Um, and the collectibles clearly were put in as a bit of some you know kind of in-jokes and, and clearly put in as a, a thing that you should want to collect. But I, yeah, I, I tend to agree. They don't really work. I think they could have been worse. They could have had no impact on the game whatsoever, um, and, and the fact that they do is good. And the fact that they are a bit of an in joke, you know, emotional baggage. Certainly, first time you hear it, it's like, yeah, okay, that's that, that's good. That's nice play on the themes mm-hmm. of the game. Certainly, um, a bit like the Indian Arrowheads. It's a nice play on the 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 themes and tropes of uh, summer camps. Tend to be the settings for slasher flicks, for instance, and yes. then you tend to find yeah. out that there's some supernatural power imbued in the the killer from something like an indian burial ground or whatever um so that's quite nice but yeah that that tends to tends to disappear or fade quite quickly and what you're left with is um a a set of collectibles that maybe aren't what they should be and and could be paired back quite significantly to great effect i would say despite despite everything we're saying because i largely (laughs) i largely agree with everything that you two have just said i think mechanically this game is kind of mediocre but on the whole Mm. i'm still left feeling really positively about psychonauts and i know we've had this conversation about oh do we put gameplay first or do we examine it as a whole on this podcast like a hundred times but i think this really is an interesting case for me where the presentation and the characters and the writing and just the Mm. imagination on display here elevates it to a point where despite the gameplay being you know you know very mediocre and at some points poor 
I, I still have very vivid memories of several sequences in this game. The Milkman conspiracy level stands out as the peak mm. for me because that just that really gets to just the whole like the G-men hiding everywhere and everything <laughs> just yeah I I love that design because you really get a sense of how that milkman views the world around him and just <laughs> there's danger in every corner that they're, they're all watching you all the time I, I just that there was uh there was an intelligence in the way that level in particular was designed yeah. that I just I found really memorable and really engaging yeah I think um I, de- I definitely want to talk about uh, some of, more of the stages individually because uh, absolutely that's where the highlights are and as I say we prefer to celebrate and there's definitely a lot to celebrate about Psychonauts um, so uh, we we talked about Mia's dance party before that is uh, is Sasha's shooting gallery slash his brain tumbler experiment where uh, this is one of the, the cool main Psychonauts uh, teaches you how to um, do cool things um, basically uh he also, again, if you look at his vault, has a pretty sad backstory where his mum dies and his father goes emotion, into emotional lockdown. And then um, Sasha realizes or learns that he has psychic powers and uses them to go into his father's mind to find out what he really feels. And then Sasha gets freaked out because he sees his um, dad viewing his dead mum, not now, not at the time, but, uh, you know, uh, as a uh, sexual figure and obviously you know famously it's traumatic for parents uh, so children to walk in on their parents having sex but he's actually he's gone into his mind and he's seeing his mum uh, in, in performing in a sexual fashion and there's you know again really complex dark adult stuff um, that you don't get any sense of from actually playing the game where you're collecting figments and baggage and stuff and I, I just found, find that such a weird thing that um, that it's all in there somewhere but Mm. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong that you have to find it, um, but it just, it, with the combined with that mediocre gameplay, sometimes that we we're just talking about, I just kept finding myself wanting to be watching Tim Schafer's Psychonauts the movie, you know. Yeah. Uh, so Lungfishopolis is a famous level. Mm. Uh, it reminded me of what did it remind me of? Well, it reminded me partly of um, uh, the old arcade game that you fellas may or may not remember called Rampage. Uh, a famous midway or bally game from the 80s where you played either a, a, a Godzilla, a King Kong, or a giant wolfman and climbed up buildings and smashed them down. Um, it also reminded me of something more contemporary. But yeah, I, uh, I, I think you're talking about War of the Monsters, that fighting game where you're two monsters fighting a big city. Is that what you're it, talking about? It wasn't that, but it, it, uh, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll say anyway. So, um, But the, again, this is another confusing one. Uh, what we haven't mentioned is the actual, like, as far as we're concerned playing the game, what we know to be the case, I think at this point, is that Coach Oleander goes mad and wants to take over the world using the brains of the young uh, Psychonaut. Uh, children. Yeah, yeah. Also yeah. turn For them some... into tanks, I believe, or something. Yeah, like brain that. tanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, do we know of Doctor Lobotto at this point? I'm not. I, I, we've I seen him dealing with um, yeah. Dogen's brain. I, I think you don't really get formally introduced to him until much later in the game, but you do get flashes of him early on. Yeah. Um, so Lungfishopolis uh, is to do with uh, Linda, the giant lake monster, who uh, rumours of which have been circulating the camp. Um, so uh, 
<laughs> Linda was a little normal lungfish who was operated on by Dr. Lobotto, turned into a giant lungfish. Um, but in Linda's head, Coach Oleander is a, a sort of Ultraman-style uh, or Godzilla-style baddie who rules over Lungfishopolis, the city of the lungfish, with with his giant powers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's strange. So that's what happens when you go into Linda's head, uh, and you end up. Um, and and the the idea, as with most of these, is is for Raz to to diffuse some kind of situation that's arising. Uh, in in the mind of in this case Linda and she obviously has this massive antagonist there who is um, you know Coach Oleander has been turned into in her mind this as you say giant monster attacking Lungfishopolis which is essentially a representation of her brain um, so it's up to Raz to go in there and kind of diffuse the situation and, and bring Linda's mind back to some kind of peace I suppose isn't isn't there a resistance of lungfish as well? If I remember correctly, yeah. that you join mm-hmm. up with, it's just the it's very funny. Them is really funny. Yeah. It is. It's extremely funny. And and being bit giant Raz against this, you know, in this tiny city, the scale thing is 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 amusing. And the boss fight with the oleander ant monster, whatever he's supposed to be, <laughs> is funny. Yeah. Um, and and imaginative and all, all those good things. Um, but again, I have too many memories of sort of trying to climb up buildings looking for collectibles because it's what you do and because you know it's going to contribute to power up but then getting knocked off by tank shells or planes and it being quite frustrating and irritating to play um not being being able to walk in some bits of water but not others and Mm. sort of you know those sort of slightly inconsistent game designy things that just slightly took the shine of it but uh, off it but overall um Again, I I don't think I was while I was playing it, I wasn't entirely clear why I was there or what was going on. And that's probably me being stupid, but no, no, I don't think it is. I think um, whether purposefully or or for some other reason that we can't possibly hope to divine, I think it it is very much the case that there is a little bit of reading into these that has to be done, and it it possibly does benefit from trying to find out afterwards exactly what that level mm. was trying to represent because. Yeah, you're kind of caught up in the spectacle of what the level, how the level feels, um, and maybe detracted from that by how the level plays sometimes. Um, but but what the level actually represents isn't necessarily something that is is made all that clear. I don't think, which I think is part of the problem we've got with the the actual deeper emotional backstory to some of the characters in in these um, levels. That, that we feel maybe yeah. is, we're missing out on. But yes, uh, a fine, a particularly fine video game gag is uh, is the boss fight where he announces his attacks as he does them. And he's, you know, <laughs> giant area attack and things like that. So <laughs> you know exactly what's coming. Uh, if only some of the other bosses did those, did that. <laughs> um, and then again, I found this sort of, um, I had to think about what was going on here because after that level, uh, you're able to... Um, Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, that's right. Yeah. So after that level, you're able to use the now uh, diffused and friendly lungfish, giant lungfish Linda Lake Monster to transport you mm-hmm. uh, to the other side of the lake and the asylum. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm not sure exactly if I... At this point, you're looking for... Is it, are you already looking for your uh, little chum's brains that have been liberated from their yeah. heads at this stage? Um, so Dr. Lobato's doing... 
oleander's dirty work for him basically uh, removing the brains with a pl with with a view to planting them in these tanks not not future armor star brains in tanks we're talking tanks with uh, caterpillar tracks and giant guns yes. on them M military tanks uh, vehicular yeah. tanks absolutely yeah again a, a nice pun <laughs> we should point out indeed brains in tanks uh so you end up at this asylum which is um presumably not through coincidence attached to the psychonauts um, uh, summer camp I assume there's a deliberate relationship there I mean I, d I don't know what Dr. Lobato uh, under what guise he was there originally necessarily I suppose is, is yeah I don't know his backstory so yeah I suppose that's the thing because the psychonauts have set up this summer camp as a recruitment drive so is it that as a result of just having psychics there and trying to get them to use their powers, some of the children are coming off worse for wear, which brings a lot of ethical questions about the psychonauts in. Or is it yeah. that uh, Coach Oleander, along with Dr. Lobato, have set this up as a kind of ancillary operation, including building the asylum there for their nefarious purposes, which paints the psychonauts themselves as, as the victims of, of these two uh, characters? Um, who knows? <laughs> yeah, and I suppose um, this sort of chunk of the game uh, again, I found this a little bit. Uh, I, I think I don't know. I, I think maybe it's it's a lot to do with me, my mindset. But I've again, I just suddenly found myself in this asylum, this this place where there were now three or four characters um, that you could interact. I think you can only do them in in the particular order, even though you get to meet them pretty much all at the same time. Not hundred percent sure about that, but the four levels, the four next four levels are effectively to uh, enable progress up the tower to get to where Doctor Lobotto is, where he's keeping um, the brains, including that of your wannabe girlfriend. Yeah, essentially there are four four people you have to convince to let you. Or yeah. to get past you, and, mm. and you have to go into their head. It's not even convince, is it? You're in, you're messing around in their head to affect them in the real world, so that you can get by them further up the tower. Is essentially the situation. And uh, as you said, the first one is is the security guard who's outside the asylum. In each case, you, need you to get in. So. In each case, again, you're you're ridding them of their their personal demons, acting as an internal psychiatrist. Uh, in each case, and and once they're not mental anymore once they're not delusional psychotic or whatever that is when your progress is possible mm. um so yeah starting with uh yeah that famous milkman conspiracy level so again i thought it was fantastic really funny mm. in terms of you know design that you've got the almost uh pre-super mario galaxy s kind of twisted level thing where the gravity kind of or the, the world kind of shifts around you so you might jump from one pavement and then land 45 degrees on the flat pavement that's up in the air as you jump towards it kind of thing yeah. um it's 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 the classic american um you know white picket fenced um idyllic suburbia where Step nothing's wrong but almost type thing. Yeah, yeah but where actually everyone is a is an agent and there's all sorts of um dark government conspiracies going on um and yeah, the, the the guys here are very funny because uh, they do this whole "I am a gardener, I am tending the plants" thing. Um, yeah, yeah, and all that type a, a of stuff. A bit like the boss at the end of Lungfishopolis. It's it's the um, the fact that they're having to to 
almost tell themselves this, but it's an illustration to you of what they're supposed to to be even though clearly standing in front of you is this g-man doing something altogether other but um but yeah it's it's it really just it just makes you laugh you walk up and see what they're doing sometimes they're doing quite not necessarily ridiculous stuff but the way they're trying to do something mundane is is kind of ridiculous and all the while they're they're trying recounting to themselves almost what their what their cover is if you like in order to try and convince themselves and you that that's really what the case is um morning widows yeah yeah the, i think the funniest one i found i think one was baking a cake or a pie or something and yeah talking about oh this is really lovely but in that really monotone like yeah. this voice. is a really fine cake i have made yeah. yeah it's great um yeah and that's that's perhaps one of the most uh arcade adventure or graphic adventure type levels because you have to go through this sequence of uh puzzles effectively more than uh although there is you know there are the platforming elements mm. you have to use clairvoyance on a bird to see a secret entrance you have to go into you have to um yeah the clairvoyance to uh watch as one of the g-men inputs a, a code on a panel to mm. gain access to a room to get an item to gain access to another area to get another item and that sort of chain of events but again while i was in there i didn't really quite get how that related to the man who was whose head i'd gone into who in the real world <laughs> i was like what i don't why this guy's obviously gone paranoid you know crazy mm. but for what reason it, you know, he just became again. If you watch his vault, it seemed that he became unhinged when he lost his job that he he enjoyed, and um, you know I, that's understandable. But again, in the game, just you know, why is he the milkman? Yeah. Why is this the milkman conspiracy? Why is he wearing a security guard uniform? For, for me, again, perhaps being obtuse, but I, no, no, I, I, I was doing it. But why am I doing it? I I think. To a certain extent, it's just about giving enough impetus or enough excuse for what is an incredibly entertaining uh, set piece type of level. Mm, uh, and, mm. and I, I think what it does do, um, and, and maybe the idea is that you're kind of so caught up in the spectacle of the level and the feel of it and the humor of it, that actually while you're playing it, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that many people do think hang on, why am I doing any of this? Because it actually doesn't matter. It's then when you come back out of the level and you see the effect that what you've done in the level has had, you sort of think, hang on, why Why would Why would my tinkering around with some abstract um, suburban landscape have any effect on this person? Because you don't really understand what caused them to create this, you know, surreal... Mm. construct in their mind in the first place um so perhaps i was looking understand why undoing it would, would resolve anything for them that's it i think that's i, I struggled with that a bit the the the, ration, the rationale i was probably trying to rationalize things too much in that in that respect should have just gone with it more um as i say i'm not saying i, I didn't enjoy elements of it as i say especially the humor um but actually i found myself getting sucked into doing the gameplay the collecting the jumping the finding the object and taking it somewhere else mm. which in itself isn't that great um but i wanted more i kept finding i wanted more explanation to why i was doing these things and um i mean the the next one is again it's another classic uh asylum scenario you have the man who 
uh, believes he's uh, Napoleon. In this case, he's uh, Fred Bonaparte, um, or he's fighting a he's fighting a spectre of Napoleon anyway. And um, again, looking into his vault, you learn that uh, he was playing uh, this tactical strategy game against. He was an uh, he was in uh, like a a porter or a you know somebody at the asylum and he actually gets sent mad by being repeatedly beaten by one of the inmates mm. uh and again it's an excuse for a really clever uh level where you shrink in you go into a a board game and the, it plays around with scale in in an incredibly clever way yeah um but again just all these really <laughs> this this was a level where i look had to look up a, uh, an FAQ a couple of times just because I don't think it explained how you got back out of the level once you were in it because you needed to tran uh, you know transfer between being in the board game on the smallest scale and then climbing back out and all this stuff and um yeah. and there were some really annoying enemies on this level um some uh, both some giant these um what are they called the the sort of the the one the basically the big guys with the glasses that lumber towards you and you have to punch them out um there's some there is some rationale for them being there but they just turn up in some levels and generally uh, swarm you it's quite annoying you have a shield you know by this point and and there are ways of dealing with it but it it pretty much turns into a sort of dodge and button bash session then you've got these tanks now again my my bad i didn't realize that there was you could actually use again a a a, a power you've acquired by this uh, stage the um fire power really struggling with words pyrokinesis um you could actually burn these tanks uh by hitting them and then lighting their fuses with the power of your mind and again great great example of a puzzle but probably me being obtuse once again but for ages i just left these tanks alive because i hit them and they didn't die and so i was wandering around the level for the longest time taking shots as i was climbing ladders and stuff and just a little clue to light their fuse beyond just the fact that it was there but again maybe maybe that's just me being spoiled by modern games that point everything out with big glowing arrows these days i don't i don't think it is i think a, a problem with all of tim schafer's games is that the game part is problematic um and it, it's curious we we were talking not on a podcast but uh after recording about how David Cage is a filmmaker who's been rejected by the film community and is just taking his crappy film script and script and turning it into a game. Whereas Tim Schafer is somebody who I feel de does desperately want to make a video game, but I feel like his skill sets would be better suited for film or television because mm. the the writing, the characterization is great, and I think in some cases that stuff is actually being held back by the gameplay because you know we were talking about the vaults and stuff like that i wonder i wonder if he left that information out of the cutscenes because he's aware that he's making a game and the cutscenes need to be short and so forth and so on and i don't know i i i think i feel like in so you said this already in the podcast i feel like in so many ways psychonauts would probably be better suited as a film or a tv series because yeah. mm. everything that we've talked about that's great is transferable to other mediums it's it's mm. it's not a thing that makes nothing about it that's interactive is what's enjoyable about psychonauts which is a shame really no, there will be a lot of big Psychonauts fans listening to this, having really looked forward to it, and it and it 
it's probably going to sound like we're really hating on it, and I feel really bad about that, but we tried to talk about every aspect of the game. I certainly feel more positively, uh, even about the playing of the game, um, than, than you guys do, but I have to admit to myself that the playing of it wasn't what was enjoyable. The notion yeah. of moving forward and seeing what you could uncover about the the pre- what was presented to you, the, you know, the quirky, the kooky, the the interesting stuff that was going on, that impetus had to be there. The the actual mechanical playing of it wasn't what would drive you forward, I don't think. And ultimately, even though I find it passable, it's something that I have to admit is is the case. So it definitely didn't. I don't feel it detracted. Um, I think there are there are yeah there are other problems with the the fact that there there are definite issues that you don't really understand why you're doing what you're doing in the psychic world to have an effect in the real world other than Mm. i need something to happen in the real world and this is what i'm presented as a solution so i will Mm. solve it it's it's puzzle solving for the sake of moving a game forward instead of really understanding what the puzzle is why it exists and therefore how the solution is going to benefit you and the, the person you're trying to help um, yeah, but that that's exactly what I mean, though. It, it, it feels like he's forcing a game into a film story. Like, mm. if this was a film, you wouldn't have any of that stuff at all. It would just be about the characters and what's motivating them and, and all of that, you know, take item A to place B wouldn't be there at all. Um, and yeah. I, I feel like I'm being really negative about this game. I do actually really, really like Psychonauts. But as I'm talking on this podcast, I'm, I'm increasingly aware that the things that I really like about Psychonauts aren't the things that are unique to this medium. Yeah, um, well, maybe, maybe I, you know, when this when they started work on this in 2000, obviously the point-and-click genre at that point was considered a dead duck. Um, so what do we make in the year 2000 or, or soon after? Probably a 3D polygon platform adventure. <laughs> um, I'm not saying it was a cynical decision. Um, I don't th- don't think it's quite like that. But no, but if if you're looking for a, a different way to tell the sort of stories and present the sort of worlds that that you present, then then it doesn't have to be cynical. It just has to be a, a logical uh, step forward into something that's a bit more um, uh, interactive. Is not even the right word because a, a point and click adventure is perfectly interactive, mm. but um, a bit more of a an analog interaction rather than a digital one, I suppose. Point and clicks, very, uh, very, yes, no, uh, you know, a very definitive interaction. Uh, you mm. either click on something or you don't, and when you do, you get a response. Whereas um, this is much more, uh, th- there's more nuance to it. You know, you ha- you're yeah, an exploration and all, yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah lot, lot, lots more video gamey stuff. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, I, I think mechanically, uh, it's not going to change things, but I think in terms of understanding the character whose head you were going into and and what you were seeing inside their mind in the psychic world i think the next level in my in my memory does do that better i felt like black velvetopia i understood very little about why i was there in the beginning Mm. of the level but by the Mm -hmm. end i think it's fairly self-explanatory why you are in that level doing what you why he's gone why this guy who was a he's like a high school uh sports star who had like the queen of the prom as his girl or whatever but lost him lost her to another guy basically 
and that's an why that turns him into this particular this artist or or, or you know this sort of Latino artist who um, inhabits this world. I don't actually know what that art style is called, um, but it, it it looks very reminiscent of something. It's yeah, it's it's uh, where where basically the the world is black, but it's picked out in sort of neon luminous or chalk and pastels and stuff like that. It's a it's again, it's a distinctive looking place. Tons of imagination stuff, but I again I understood because it, it basically explains what happened at the end. Like this is why I went mad, uh, but how that relates to his psycho his particular psychosis and maybe it doesn't maybe that's the point um i i just thought that um it, it was it was very much the the notion of uh uh, uh so, some artists and creative people uh their work being a result of their um their rejection or their tortured soul if okay like, yeah yeah kind of thing. so that Makes was sense. simply what happened to him the unrequited love type situation yeah. was what happened mm. to turn him uh sort of slightly introverted and to, to bring this side of him out because he turned himself inwards and and looked inwards and here's what he found was this uh this artist um inside and and that started to consume him in ways that weren't healthy eventually uh, and ultimately, and that's what Raz is trying to resolve for him. And the, the the funny thing is, you know, he's going through, Raz at this point is going through all these efforts. We actually missed out Gloria's Theatre, which is a much more literal one. Um, and again, the, the sort of darkness of Gloria, the actress's story, is told in the vault where she was, you know, basically bullied by a whip-cracking uh, stage mom at, at theatre school, um, became a star, but then faded as they do. Um, but actually, you know, it was a simple case at this point of Raz trying to get hold of this trophy she's got because it looks like a claw to the short-sighted uh, inmate who won't let him go up the elevator to Dr. Lobotto's tower and he needs Napoleon's straight jacket and uh, I can't remember what it is from the painter. Is it the face? The, I, I, yeah, he yeah, needs a painting of the face, yeah. yeah. Um, again, a glorious theatre level great ideas like such a cool idea the sort of puzzle solving you have to change the lighting to to affect the mood of the play and you have to find these scripts um to get this this cast of amateur dramatic uh children to put on uh put on the right play to get the phantom to appear and and all this stuff you know clever stuff but actually having to sometimes i felt the humor wore thin on this one a bit because mm. the having to sit through each play <laughs> i ended up skipping no, a lot of that sure. dialogue so eventually yes once you have uh, convinced the uh, the 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 guy who's guarding the lift who perhaps you could have just blasted out the way with a side blast <laughs> or something but then it wouldn't be a puzzle game that you are dr loboto and up you go and then there's a a, a relatively lengthy platforming section and and a very uh, gnarled and ruined environment um, and again, this is where another area where I didn't find the, the platform. You know, I didn't. It wasn't particularly difficult. It just wasn't enormously fun. It's, it's just like it, well, it, there, it there was, isn't the joy of traversing the environment. It's just a. It was a something bit of a, to do instead of just pushing forward and walking to the next section. It, it, it was. Mm. It was literally putting in uh, some zigs and zags to to, to make yeah. the game rather than just walking there. Um, it, did, mm. it did seem like, um, yeah, it, it's not. As you say, it's it's not offensive platforming. It's not broken platforming. It's just there no, are, that was there are examples of platforming where it is, and traversal generally in games where it's actually a 
a joy to do. There is a satisfaction from from yeah. from moving around and a fluidity to it. And I think that's maybe the thing. And a reliability, you yeah, know, trust, yeah. being able to trust yeah. the double jump and trust the the controls yeah. and make the perfect arc through the air and and cling on to the ledge when you know you're going to and all that sort of thing. And it's just not quite there. And, and the fluidity is something that um, you know games like Assassin's Creed kind of. Um, kind of cheat you into the fluidity because because they're doing a lot of that work for you it's not you you're not the one making the movement fluid um but a, what a platformer that is all about platforming should do is it, it should teach you how to through your own inputs create fluid movement and have you feel like you are carving your own path through the environment and and psychonauts i don't think really ever does that it always feels like you're you're hopping to whatever jump they want you to do next rather than trying to, to string together some movement and and uh, play the role of Raz and enjoy the platforming, unfortunately. Yeah, there, there are some moments when, when you're on the, the levitation ball and floating where it feels it feels quite nice, um, but other times, you know, that same, that same power that you end up using quite a lot because it's so much faster and you can jump so much higher can also be the cause of a lot of ignominious deaths um, just because it's, again, the control is just not as precise and as reliable as you want it to be, which is a pity. Um, and then we cut, you know, it's again, I feel really bad because it sounds like we're being down on the game, but again to to stress that there there is a lot of uh we we clearly all enjoyed a lot of the humor and and the and the thought and intent that's gone into to the you know a lot of those levels that we've you know for time had to kind of skip through um but but it's at that point that we come to the infamous meat circus now i went into this level having heard tell from many uh, friends and peers and podcasts about uh, the horrors of this final level um now it turns out that they've made one significant change to it in for the, the the version that's available now on PC at least, which is that on one section, uh, which is where you're uh, racing up the big top um, ahead of water. Apparently, in the original version, each time you fail that, you lose a life. Yeah. So each level, um, each level, you go in with a number of tries basically, and if you lose your uh, is it astral projections or whatever, if you, you you can increase them up to like seven or eight, maybe more. Um, but if you lose all of those, it's back out, redo the level kind of thing. Bit old school in that regard. Mm. So I think the one change they made to the meat circus level was to have it so that you don't lose a life when you drown in that particular section. But other than that, I think it's the same as it always has been. Yeah. Uh, which is to say, quite uh, challenging. Okay, because uh, <laughs> I, I got through it. I think it was forewarned is forearmed here because I got through it fairly quickly and without too much stress. Um I think because I was, I'd been told so many times about this fucking meat circus level. But Josh, you perhaps went into it. You know, I went you into it, it blind. I had no yeah. idea that this was as infamous as it was, and I nearly broke the controller into because <laughs> mm. it, I, I like even fans acknowledged this section. Of Tim Schafer himself yeah. said he couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, it it's it's awful. Like, there's a bit where you're climbing up like um a rope, oh. rope ladder bit, and you have to jump at a certain angle to get oh, to another rope that ladder. That's so bad. But if it if it was like Super Mario Galaxy or something like that, that would be totally fine because you know Mario controls perfectly fine. I, you know, I could totally pull off that move. Yeah. But Raz 
just does not have that level of control. And no. every time I did it, I missed, and I, you know, I had to do it all over again. And plus, you didn't have to deal with the live system. So imagine having to go all the way back to the beginning mm-hmm. again and having to do all the earlier stuff as well, and then dying at the earlier stuff before you get to the bit that you died before. <laughs> it's just frustrating and um to be honest i i left it for quite a while um i went back to it because um i i felt compelled i needed to finish the game because i was so Mm. close to the end but i i almost i almost just put the game down and never came back to it i think a lot of people did i think anecdotally i've certainly heard that many times like nah i just watched the end sequence on youtube it's not it's no fun um funnily ironically the actual boss fights against um Oleander's uh, butcher dad that's uh, the the root of Oleander's problems is that he loved his uh, little fluffy bunnies as a kid but his dad was a butcher and used to slaughter them and he saw it happening so that's why Oleander went mad um, and Raz's demons are obviously to do with his own father who disapproved of his uh, wish to be a psycho naught I think that's um, and yes they end up in a kind of merged uh, psychic by hook and by crook to do with uh, the Oleander boss fight who is a brain a tank in a, a brain in a tank uh, you end up with merged brains uh, in inside. Yeah, you end up as a brain in his brain. Is that right? Yes, something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but yes, uh, the meat circus. Um, yeah, it starts with a with an escort quest. <laughs> I mean, that's it starts with a really difficult escort quest with uh, platform. You know, nightmarish platforming sequences in between. And yeah, that that curved rope ladder where you have to double jump out and back in again with uh, Raz's controls is uh, yes I think some people also had problem with the the tunnel of love section which is uh, one of the game's sort of rope slides or like uh, uh, rail grinds I suppose you'd call it Mm. Um, but that actually you can do that simply by if you push forward you go much much faster so all the gaps are avoidable simply by uh, just going as fast as possible you don't have to actually jump them which is a bit of a workaround for that section but Mm. Yeah, James, do you remember the Meat Circus? Uh, I certainly knew of the Meat Circus by reputation. I had heard enough people talk about this game um, and and almost to uh, a, a person um, despair at the Meat Circus. So mm. I, I certainly forewarned, although not forearmed, because I was playing the Xbox version backwards compatibility. So I still had the yeah. live system to contend with. And ultimately, I, I had no... Uh, knowledge of how to tackle it i simply expected it to be atrocious uh, and mm. whether it's infinite patience or just got lucky i didn't feel like i suffered terribly at that section it may just be expectation management uh, i expected to find that terrible and therefore uh, i i honestly can't even remember trying it more than a couple of times and and yeah. getting through it um I, I I think it's the it must be the same rope swing section that you're talking about. I remember it as being a cage that you had to climb up. Um, it's sort of a cage, with, yeah. With like fire coming down it. And, That's right, yeah, fire on it, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That that certainly stands out as the worst part of it because mm. uh, again, perspective in a three D environment has to be very carefully managed, and I'm not sure it is. I found it quite difficult to know where you had to be and when in order to be safe on that uh, for whatever mm. reason, and it. it and then you have the issue with the control of getting around that being a, a, a very definite issue. Um, it, it's it serves as as often is the case in in many games, not just platformers. 
it it's supposed to be the final level with the culmination of your experience um being yeah. tested um mm. and unfortunately i think as we've said psychonauts is not at its strongest as a platformer and therefore to to string together uh, a rather demanding section that requires quite a lot of um what would be in other games very precise inputs uh in yeah. order to do it maybe the platforming it just isn't robust enough to to warrant this level of challenge it definitely felt like a spike um it did not frustrate me uh, maybe that's just expectations maybe i was uh, just able to be very patient with it um in in a way that other people uh to their credit possibly refused to because I, I don't think it necessarily serves um serves well to to forgive something that's uh that causes so much frustration to other people but to me it wasn't that bad but i understand why mm. it causes so much frustration i guess just feel like they really could have done a level that was uh based around the all the various skills you'd got including you know the one the, the less action oriented ones like clairvoyance and stuff like that but it just mm. it it just is a an overly pernickety demanding platforming section yeah, i guess that is strange actually you've spent all this time building up and and potentially doing a, getting a lot of collectibles to level raz up in so many different ways and and you've collected all these psychic abilities and ultimately it comes to his acrobatics which makes a certain sense thematically it does try to get away from the acrobatics and ultimately yeah. it's the acrobatics that saved him um, that's exactly what it is he's he's yeah. fighting his dad um or he's you know he's fighting the specter of his his dad who you know you meet again after mm. in, in real life and he's of course proud of his boy and all that sort of thing but yeah. that that is why it is but and obviously you've had to do a certain amount of platforming throughout the game but for it, for it to hinge so much on probably what is the you know one of the weakest elements of the entire experience right mm. at the death is a, a for me a terrible mistake and so uh, time is running short, but um, we should hear from our correspondents. As ever, thank you to everyone who posted in on the forum. We'll start with Todinho. He says, uh, so Psychonauts, uh, this is a game I really wanted to hate when I first played it. Every time I heard someone talk about the game, they would say how good it was and how it was one of the best games ever made and so on. I just couldn't understand how this weird 3D platformer for kids could be so good that people wouldn't shut up about it. I made it my mission to play the game and prove that it was nothing special. <laughs> I love people who do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the beginning of the game didn't really do much to change my mind, if I'm honest. I found the first level very bland and the controls on mouse and keyboard weren't really all that great. The open world didn't really appeal either. I just found uh, that collecting was a huge pain. Whenever, I, However, when I got to Sasha's level, things started to turn around. That level piqued my interest and I kept going when I got to Mia Video and entered a room I was told not to go into and then things got really interesting. From then on I fell in love with the game and just kept going level after level until I beat the whole thing and even the dreadful meat circus didn't manage to spoil the journey for me. It still strikes me how much creativity went into this game with each level managing to top the one that came before. But more than that, it's a game that manages to touch on some pretty dark topics without losing its lightheartedness and does it with some of the best story slash mechanics integration I've seen. While the game has its share of 
problems and feels like it was cut short, much like a certain other Double Fine game, I still am confident enough in saying that Psychonauts is one of the best games ever made, and one that I encourage everyone to play. To Tadinho's credit, uh, it, it may not have been the, uh, you know, to, to your mind, Leon, the, the best way to go into a game trying to to prove it to be what you expect it to be, but uh, it just goes to show, uh, e- even if you go in expecting the worst, Psychonauts does, I think, have enough about it, certainly a Tordino mm. fan, to, to, to win you over. Uh, yeah, Paul Shotton says, I only played Psychonauts for the first time this year as part of a challenge to myself to complete, in achievement terms, all of Double Fine's released games, excluding the web and Amnesia Fortnite titles in 2013. At the time of writing, I only have the cave left to go. I don't have an in-depth thesis to offer about my 20-ish hour or so experience with it, but I was surprised by how well it plays even now in terms of mechanics and how influential it has been to some more modern 3D platform games. Above all, Schaefer obviously has a talent for storytelling, and that is most definitely one of the strongest elements of Psychonauts. Yeah, Nekimenser says, So, Psychonauts is a game that a good friend of mine has been insisting I play literally for years. Um, it's always been one that looked so looked interesting, but never made its way to the top of my playlist. I've had the damn thing installed for the last year or so to help me, to help encourage me just to play it. Then I saw you guys were going to do an episode on it and decided I finally needed to do it. And then I ended up losing another couple of months from when you announced it until it was the week you were going to do the episode. I guess I'm bad at this sort of thing. Sadly, I probably won't be able to finish the game in time for the recording, so I'll post my first impressions. I'm posting now because I have no idea if my two-month-old son will allow me much game time before Thursday. This game has incredible voice acting for its era. The sense of humour is spot on. The characters strike me as a bit reminiscent of cartoons like Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life and Ah! Real Monsters. That that, Ah! probably should have been with a little more emphasis, but I'm not a good voice actor. Um, But also completely unique in their own way, both in visual design as well as personality. I hope there's a lot of Dogen going forward because that kid is awesome. He is funny. (laughs) I think Dogen's the cutest character in the game, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm not too far into the story yet, but it's definitely intriguing so far. The world design is beautiful and interesting. It simply begs to be explored. I don't think the game has gotten any real graphics tuning since original release, but it's aged remarkably well. Got to love all the colour in particular. The platforming feels good, though mixing in the 2D fragments into the 3D world plays all sorts of havoc with my depth perception. I've got really awful depth perception, so that might just be me, though. In general, from what I've seen so far, it's much more about having good timing than it is landing precision jumps, which is definitely a plus for me. Looks like there's a ton of stuff in here for a completionist to sink a gajillion hours into the game's world easily. I'm not a completionist myself, but I can appreciate how much there is to go looking for. I'm going to tell my friend to listen to this episode. Sorry, Kevin, you were absolutely right. I'm not touching another game until I get through this one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it seems to be it's it's definitely one of those games that people evangelize, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Ado Potato says I'd heard about this game upon its release, but only picked it up like many others, I'm sure, after Yahtzee's anti-diatribe on zero punctuation. So very, very, very happy I hunted it down. What at first blush seemed like a colourful but simplistic platformer soon revealed itself to be something altogether deeper—a deeper world, deeper storyline, deeper play mechanics, everything. 
In contrast to Brutal Legend, every additional gameplay mechanic you unlock in Psychonauts complements the core gameplay in a satisfying and often hilarious way. By the time you get to the end game, you have a plethora of techniques at your disposal, and it's a credit to the game that it all hangs together. On top of this, you have one of the freshest and most vividly described worlds in recent gaming memory. Delightful design and graphics, and one of the all-time funniest scripts. I think it all adds up to a stone-cold cult classic. Uh, something I wanted to say about the uh, funniest scripts was uh, I, I found out after, unfortunately, I'd used the item in the game, but apparently... Uh, early on in the game, uh, you get a uh, a button from a, um, a leather what what could be from a leather sofa. It's actually from the inside of a chamber. Um, for uh, some of the best dialogue in the game, uh, I've read, uh, show that button to everyone you can. Uh, if you just go around showing the button to people, you get reams and reams of uh, of of gags, basically. So. Yeah, if if you've come this far in this podcast and haven't finished the game, or if you're inspired to go for another playthrough, uh, try that. It may be there may be a compilation video on YouTube. I'm not sure. Uh, finally, from correspondence, I absolutely love this post from Insert Coins. Um, as I say, we always try to finish on the most positive thing about a game. Um, we've obviously got our summaries to come and that will follow that path but uh, in terms of listener correspondence it doesn't get much more positive than this Insert Coins says Psychonauts remains one of my absolute favourite games and is one that continues to change every time I play it while it's easy now after many playthroughs to praise the game for its inventive art direction and hilarious characters I should say that initially the game's world came across as being rather hostile to me as a newcomer while the characters are funny and each and every one of them won me over quickly, it's worth remembering that every one of them has aspects that are deeply uncomfortable. From the sometimes gross Tim Burton style art direction to the often very dark places that these troubled characters emerge from, the stark dichotomy drawn between the unpleasant side of each character and the light-hearted hilarious lines of dialogue spoken with childlike innocence by them gives each cast member and in turn the entire game a rich texture and a level of earnestness in its exploration of the human condition that much more serious titles most often completely miss. Tim Schafer will always be remembered for his mastery of humour in video games, but I think that, to an equal degree, he should be given credit for his ability to translate intangibles into gameplay experiences. Just as Brutal Legend, in its landscape alone, captured the power, spirit and ferocity of the extraordinarily diverse genre of heavy metal music, Psychonauts constructs game worlds out of the subjective experiences of those suffering from various mental illnesses that, while often playing their broad stereotypes for laughs, also expresses a considerable amount of empathy and understanding. Gameplay-wise, I suppose Psychonauts is most similar to the 3D Gex titles from the PlayStation and N64, in that both are platformers without as many flourishes and without as much polish as, say, Banjo-Kazooie or Mario 64. But brilliance lying in the way that they use each level's theme, in Psychonauts' case mental illness and its interaction with each character's self-perception and perception of the world around them, not only as the aesthetic backbone of each level, but also as the level's internal logic, changing the objectives of each level and the way that you can interact with the environment and characters around you based on how you can best help the troubled individual you are exploring. To wrap up, I am currently a doctoral student working towards my PhD in clinical psychology. As I continue my studies, this game remains one of the touchstones that I will always come back to. While cartoony and not necessarily rooted in psychological science, I find its abstract representation of my area of study entertaining and true to its spirit. 
The stories of the more seemingly normal characters, Sasha Nine and Mia Vadeo, serve as good reminders that even those of us who seem to have it together each have secrets below the surface that could emerge at any time if not properly dealt with. And uh, yeah, with that, I'm retiring as a podcaster because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just, yeah, that's just far more uh, insightful and in-depth than anything I've managed to say about the game. Um, and uh, yeah, just so fantastic that he, you know, this uh, guy who's <laughs> studying clinical psychology sees all this uh, fantastic stuff in Psychonauts is a far greater um, endorsement than anything I, I, I could I think... do. In many ways, that um, whether we're able to see it or not, or whether we're able to um, shine a light on it in in the way that insert coins has, I think he's actually quite aptly summed up why people think fondly of Psychonauts, even though if you ask them about the gameplay, they will say, hmm, "Yeah, maybe it actually wasn't that fun to play." It's because it's tackling all these things, and even though the story maybe doesn't fit together quite as neatly, you could argue that the point of that is that someone going through some kind of uh, therapy for uh, mental illness or that kind of thing, it's not all going to fit together nice and neatly in a story. So there's all these aspects of things that that, um, that Insert Coins mentioned to do with just who we are as people that it touches on. All of us, no matter whether we consider ourselves fairly grounded, fairly, um, you know, normal, for want of a better word, people. It's all about perception. It's all about um, showing how interesting even the most straightforward uh, average of people can be um, in this colourful, vibrant, uh, I think inherently interesting world. And so I think that's maybe the secret of why people enjoy and and um almost mythologize psychonauts quite as as heavily as they do it's because of 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 the sort of things that insert coins talks about there and the things that it's doing um maybe not shoving it in your face and it's maybe not obvious to see but it does have a, a certain consistency to the game in terms of what it's trying to show and what it's trying to do um and it's and it's funny on top of that as well, which is always a help when you're dealing with something as serious as, or issues as serious as, as Psychonauts touches on. Three word reviews. Uh, we also had a few of these from Twitter today. Thanks again to everyone who contributed a hashtag. C-R-T-W-R. Indeed. Tat Sun says, mind-delving fun. Scruffy the janitor says, crazy and amazing. Xavier Fox Shandy says, one wild ride. Pixel Omen says, imaginative, charming, fun. Zephyr Light says, the squirrels lied. Uh, there's a. I, I did notice a squirrel uh, hopping about the place that that I couldn't catch. I assume there's a trick to catching him. It reminded me a bit of the the, the golden rabbits you had to race after and catch in Super Mario 64. But I, I assume there was a puzzle or a skill to get whatever it is the squirrel's catching. There are these scavenger hunts that. Um, I mean, there's several of the characters we haven't even talked about. We barely touched on Dogen. There's uh, Cruller, isn't there? The um, the old guy, Ford Cruller, who's um, Quite a, quite a major character and various versions of him turn up around the place um, but these scavenger hunts I didn't again you know more gamey stuff that I didn't really focus on is that is that the squirrel's role 
Um, in all honesty, I can't remember, but I do remember at certain points of the game kind of feeling a bit overwhelmed in the various other side bits and bobs and, and mm. stuff there was to do. So I ended up focusing very much, I think as you did, Leon, on mm. kind of going through the story and, and sticking to the main missions and progressing that. Um, whilst always being aware of, particularly around the campsite, I always felt like there was much more to go and discover there and much more to go and do. Um, and obviously, yeah. as you get further through the game, there is even more to go and do. So, um, mm. uh, yeah, I, I can't quite remember how the scavenger hunts fit in at all, to be honest. Uh, Techie Rob's three-word review is Meat Fucking Circus. Uh, David Merritt says Double Finds Best. Devon York says deserves a sequel. So it's been talked about, it's been mooted. I think uh, Schaefer's said that it's certainly not out of the question. The the game ends, I mean, the game ends with things resolved and mostly and everyone pretty much happy ever after, but it ends with a, uh, you know, a big kind of Psychonauts jet plane comes out of the a mountain or out the ground or something and mm. ja- uh, Raz is off with uh, with the, the gr- grown-up psychonauts to you know take take on his role you know the youngest ever psychonaut I think he's meant to be 12 or something is he uh, um, and it's yeah it's obviously set up for a sequel of course how they do the thing where they take all his powers and skills away and start all over again would be you know easily done I suppose but um yeah, uh, there was talk of um, Marcus Person, wasn't there? Notch, the Minecraft yeah. guy, uh, funding a sequel, but then he discovered how much, <laughs> even yeah. even with Minecraft's billions or whatever it is, it's not billions. Um, he was, yeah, well, uh, I think, he was a bit shocked at the amount of money. Ultimately, Schaefer when you said. start budgeting that sort of thing, and I think, yeah, yeah, you've got to put in perspective that between two thousand and two thousand and five, uh, Double Fine kind of chipped away at making this game, and it cost him thirteen million dollars. And that even then was was doing it on a relatively uh, modest budget, I would say. And we know from Nintendo and others who've who've been making the step step up to HD uh, games that as soon as you do that, the the cost of the art and the the cost of rendering etc. becomes much much higher. So therefore. Psychonauts 2 mm. made modern would be several times that, that 13 million dollar um, price tag I would imagine to make um, yeah according uh, to uh, VG charts again we don't know we can't, mm. can't verify, uh, independent. verify but uh, 0.21 million units sold on Xbox and PS2 over, over the world um, no figures for PC but uh, I imagine the number of people who now have the game in their Steam collection or their digital collection, anyway, is probably several million. <laughs> Whether and they've played it or not is another matter. That's the remarkable thing, isn't it? Because and it's it's pure hearsay. You know, it's 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 absolutely anecdotal. But when when I think of any time I've mentioned this game, it seems like there are a lot of people have played it more than 0.21 million and and that that comes down to <laughs> do we imagine there's only 200,000 copies in the world and they just keep getting passed around because a lot of people seem to have played it before it would have come out yeah. digitally potentially i've certainly owned a second hand copy of it on xbox yeah. um that i will probably now be selling again because i've got the pc yeah. version so yeah yeah, it's those same copies going round and round and round. I don't know. But just, um, I mean, anecdotally, it seems like more than, you know, sig- not just more, but significantly more people have played it than that sales figure would suggest. So, 
I, d I did want to uh, mention uh, one of the reasons we didn't do Psychonauts earlier um, is because uh, Rebel FM's game club covered the game in back in 2008-9 I think uh, with a multiple you know people think we go on for a long time about one single game well this, these guys did three or four episodes on, on a game uh, when they were doing that I think they stopped I don't know yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but yes they actually play through the whole game um, a group of them checking back in week after week get up to the same agreeing, point and so on yeah, agreeing a point to get up to and talk yeah, about, yeah. Uh, so that's that's well worth listening to as well if you, if you love yeah. Psychonauts uh, if you want more inspiration um, and again even the fact that they played it five, that was like four or five years ago I think just the mechanics were probably slightly more you know tolerable back yeah, then more palatable, I mean, I um, it's all relevant anyway uh, let us summarise starting with James Carter um, I enjoyed uh, Psychonauts immensely when I played it which was uh, early 2011 I guess crikey that mm. seems like a long time ago Um mm. I enjoyed it immensely then. I, I wrote very fondly about it when I uh, I was doing such things back on Gamer Dork. And were I to write about it now, uh, retrospectively, I would still have as fond memories. Um, and yet I don't disagree with any of the the uh, negative aspects or uh, sort of slightly disappointing aspects of the game that we've talked about. Um, I think that speaks to the fact that the characters are characters I want to spend time around. That's why I would like to see a sequel. Um, that's that's why I enjoyed playing it and and why I have such fond memories of it. Uh, the characters and everything that goes with it. So that's voice acting, the way they look, the way they they act, um, their backstories, um, just everything about the characters, including the dialogue, of course, um, w was fun. But but not fun in a shallow way, fun with depth behind it that you could see if you wanted to. Um, I think the, the design of the worlds is, is fantastic. Black Velvetopia uh, is a wonderful looking place. Um, it certainly has its problems gameplay-wise, game, gameplay but um, yeah, all my memories are, are fond, and that may be doing... Uh, maybe glossing over the problems the game has, but that is what sticks with me about this game, and that's why... Uh, to me, Psychonauts is is an interesting and important game. It's a game that I, I would like to see a sequel to. Um, and I don't think nowadays you would get away with such a, a frail, mechanical uh, game. But the characters would be the characters, and those are what persist in my mind. So um, I, I certainly think it's worth picking up and seeing on Steam. It looks fantastic. Um you know, get a, a gamepad hooked up to it and uh, and just kind of get a feel for what the game is, even if it does take a little bit of kind of grinding through and, and it does feel maybe uh, a little bit like a chore at times. It, I think it overcomes that uh, through its charm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even really want listeners to pay too much attention to my summary of this one, um, only to the point that I think some people will have the same problems with the mechanics as I did um, but overall I want to say you know it's a game that I really liked in terms of it is funny imaginative and it's got a unique style and it's um, f yeah funny and uh, well-intentioned and all that good stuff uh, it's got variety in terms of you know the locations that you're in visual variety um, sounds good and the characters, you know, a lot of the characters are excellent, but 
there are some flaws not only in in the 3d platforming mechanics like i do think the storytelling is a bit confused at times i think the fact that you have to delve deeper is not necessarily a bad thing in video games but i think it could just do a little more hinting at some of the more complex darker interesting stuff that's going on but overall i can't really say that i've massively enjoyed playing psychonauts um i kept wishing that it was a maybe a point and click adventure you know or maybe uh, a stop frame animation you know um because uh, yeah i played it over maybe half a half a dozen sessions over a couple of weeks um and each time i came back to it i was like yeah you know i wonder what these guys are up to but then you know you're you're actually spending the vast majority of your 16 hours or more playing the game um kind of lumbering through with these really middling actually for today's you know after all the experiences i've had of playing games in 3d environments today quite subpar and you know i'm somebody who loves i love a lot of old games but i think a, a genre that has particularly aged is anything in the sort of 3d space anything that feels like it's from those that mid to late 90s period like psychonauts does at times you know i, I it probably would have aged better if it had been a 2D game. It, you know, they wouldn't have made a point-and-click adventure or a 2D side-on game because at that point, uh, that would have been commercial suicide. As it turned out, the game was commercial suicide anyway, so maybe they should have they should have not gone for such an ambitious, sprawling 3D adventure. But um, but I think you know, it, it's crazy. You can buy it for crazy cheap prices. Everyone should try it. Um, or just buy maybe just buy a double fine T-shirt and watch the whole thing on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think just quickly to say uh, the as you say it's it's maybe overly ambitious in the mechanics and the the game that they're trying to make uh, and for whatever reason they decided that but I think the ambition that um, the insert coins touched on and I maybe uh, omitted wrongly in my um, in my summary is it's the ambition of having a story where there are such damaged characters and you are looking at uh, mental illness or or indeed just delving into the psyche of of an individual mental illness aside um i think that's quite an ambitious thing to do um and i think that i would definitely applaud maybe that's why i also think fondly of it uh for, for that yeah absolutely yeah I'm, I'm, i i i have a lot of uh there's a lot of mental illness in my life i grew up with my father who was both mentally ill and worked as a psychiatric nurse in in a in a in a establishment for the uh, clinically completely mental um as it was technically known um and i suffer with mental health problems myself so i certainly have a, an affinity with the subject matter um but that that again just that 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 interest doesn't get me past the fact that i also really like really well made polished slick 3d video games and this isn't one of them unfortunately uh, it's, it's sort of frustrating um, Josh, your summary. Would you recommend it for one dollar on Steam? <laughs> for one dollar, you should pick it up straight away. Um, yeah, my my feelings are kind of similar to James. Um, my overall feelings about Psychonauts are really positive. I I do recommend this game, and I I do hope that everyone checks this out. But I have to concede that mechanically, it's problematic. It's just a case where the art, the the characters, and and the voice acting and the writing are just at such a high standard that I my brain is able to ignore the kind of mediocre subpar mechanics. Um, 
and I think it helped that when I played uh, this game, it was 2008, and I hadn't played, even though it was already out, I hadn't played Super Mario Galaxy yet, so uh, 3D platformers weren't ruined for me forever. Um, I, I do, I do reflecting on it on this podcast, I do wonder if Tim, Shave, uh, Tim Schafer's skill sets are better suited to TV and movies. But then again, there are so many things like Psychonauts that are so great that already exist in those mediums that I think it would be a shame to lose Tim Schafer to film or TV because we don't have many people like him working in this industry. And actually, uh, sorry, Josh, to interrupt, but you know, one of the first credits that come up if you either run the credits from the title screen or, or see them at the end, he's not the level designer. You know, he doesn't. He is not the man who's responsible for all the mechanics. He's the writer and the creative director, and obviously he has a huge say in these things. But actually, maybe if there were, you know, if they had more time, money, or or you know, some people who'd worked on some great, you know, games of this ilk before, you know, if they did a remake. But you know, with like the uh, an all star team from from the three D platformer industry, you know, there's there's nothing to say that it couldn't be, uh, it couldn't be all you know all the things we want it to be, both the hilarious, funny, imaginative game and the you know top quality three D adventure. Um, I'll just sum up by saying that I think. I think everyone should check this out because it's unique. It does a lot of things with its narrative and its characters that you don't see often. And I think it's worth just having an opinion on. It's one of those games that it's worth, because it's talked about so much, it's worth playing and just being part of the discussion. So yes, I recommend it. I just quickly wanted to say I was reminded, uh, as as Josh was summing up and you were talking as well, Leon, um, a few weeks ago on the Star Fox show we talked about... um, the notion that ideas should not be put wholesale straight into a game. Um, This is almost the antithesis to that. Star Fox, if it's anything, is a mechanically sound game that then sprinkles the Nintendo character and and, uh, charm on top of it. Um, This is almost the opposite, where it's an idea at its very core. Every one of the psychic abilities is an idea that branches off from this notion of a, a, a psychic um, police force, if you like, you know, uh, psychic spies, um, and and what I think is interesting is that since Brutal Legend, and it took Brutal Legend, I think, for this to happen, Double Fine have scaled back the scope of their games, not in terms of the ideas necessarily, but in terms of the mechanics they're using to back them up. So I think it is interesting to see them dial back on the mechanics to make them simpler in terms of and smaller in terms of the scope so that the ideas come to the fore but they're not necessarily being weighed down by the scope of a big budgeted game that has to sell millions in order to recoup and so i think that's the interesting thing for me i haven't played enough of double fines uh, more recent output but perhaps that's a sensible way for them to have gone and a sensible response to Psychonauts, uh, Poor Sales and Brutal Legends mixed uh, response, uh, certainly critically. I haven't played nearly enough of all of them, um, the the recent stuff, but um, I've played enough to know that stacking Costume Quest, uh, Trench to Iron Brigade and um, 
the cave are all well worth you know investigation i think at least a couple of those are on our big list of games that we might cover one day i think stacking's perhaps the most sort of interesting um yeah, i've played in, a bit of stacking and, and mechanically mm. very simple uh, it takes a little bit of getting yep. your head around but yeah, it's the, weird the yeah. wonderful thing is the the world it, it's this mm. uh this very odd world to step into not something you see often in a video mm. game certainly and I think it's great that Tim Schafer is so enthusiastic about video games, and and for that reason, I don't think we will ever see him uh, move over to TV or film. But I understand Josh's uh, assertion that maybe, in terms of his creativity, that's where he's he's more suited, perhaps. Yeah, he comes across like a genuinely nice, funny guy. Um, yeah. You know, I know there's been some criticism over the Kickstarter thing and whatever, but um, you know, shit happens. Um, and and I and I do feel bad about not. You know, I went into Psychonauts wanting to love it as much as many of our correspondents did, and I'm sad that I didn't. It gives me no pleasure, but equally, I have to report my findings on those mechanics, and there it is. But um, but overall, obviously, we we heartily recommend trying Psychonauts, playing Psychonauts. Uh, only one more game in this volume of Cane and Rinse podcast. We are nearly on issue 100. Heavy Rain is it. Uh, you can probably play it between now and when that issue emerges if you haven't already. Uh, there will be spoilers if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't found out what happens in that game already, uh, which seems unlikely. We have uh, decided much of the Volume Three lineup, but as yet we have not revealed it. We will soon watch this space. Uh, be at canarince.com or our Facebook page, forum, Twitter, YouTube channel. Information and other great stuff is all there. But always please. Uh, support us on iTunes with your subscriptions, reviews and ratings. Until next week, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank James Carter and Joshua Garrity, and we'll leave you with some uh, of that fine Psychonauts music. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>